0: Well, it's lovely to be back. Thank you for your warm welcome for myself and the family. Uh, I'm I'm imagining the weather in autumn is always like this, so we're really looking forward to being with you and living in autumn. Uh, uh, Quick explanation, because otherwise you'll ask, uh, I've got a bandaged hand at the moment, just to explain. I had a cyst on my uh, middle uh, finger of my hand, which had to be removed the other day. Uh, It's fine, it's benign, it it just was becoming a bit of a pain, uh, literally. Uh, in my hand, so they had to remove it. Um, but uh, healing up nicely, thank you. Uh, so, you know, we're so looking, oh, I'm so looking forward, we're so looking forward to being with you come September, um, and uh, starting with you uh, 13th of September, um, and... Uh, Uh, Getting to know you better, particularly, I guess uh, we're going to be camping with you at West Point. So those of you who will be at West Point, we look forward to particularly getting to know you. I think when you're camping together, that's a great place to get to know people, isn't it? You see everything. You see warts and all, and uh, it's real life. And uh, so those of you who will be at West Point, we are very much looking forward to uh, getting to know you there and progressively getting to know uh, you as a church. Um, I'm going to be visiting on three Sundays between now and starting in September. And uh, as I was uh, uh, thinking about uh, what to bring over those three Sundays, I I felt God uh, uh, say, answer the three big questions. Now, you may say, what are the three big questions? Well, uh, if you uh, read broadly, if you read what psychologists would say and others would say uh, over us as human beings, they would say this, uh, most if not everyone are asking three questions they are, who am I? In other words, what is my identity? Where where do I find my identity? What is my identity? The second question is, how do I find significance or security? It's all very well saying my identity is in something, but how do I find security? How do I find that inner sense of self-worth, that sense of belonging, that sense of security? And then thirdly, it's What am I here for? Why actually am I here? You know, my my story of uh, before I became a Christian is I I just didn't get life. And, uh, you know, sort of uh, 14, 15, 16, I was thinking, what is life all about? To me, it seemed it it was like this, that you you, you were born, you had uh, a period of time, probably 12, 13, 14 years of torture called school because I didn't really like school very much, and uh, enforced education. Um, you then had to go and work for about 45, 50 years, something like that, in order to earn enough money to retire in order to die. And, you know, I, and genuinely, that was my sort of take on life. Uh, I didn't have a, a Christian framework to think within. Uh, and I, I, you know, What what is the purpose of life? And so those three questions I'd like to try and answer... Over these uh, this next three um, occasions, we're going to uh, look from the book of Ephesians because that's a great book which helps answer some of these questions. Uh, so, if you've got your Bible with you, you may want to turn to the book of Ephesians in chapter one. Um, if, if you're a new believer and aren't sure where Ephesians are, uh, it's New Testament. It's towards the end of the New Testament. Uh, go through the Gospels and Acts and Romans, and then some letters, and you'll find Ephesians amongst those after a book called Galatians. Um, and uh, today, uh, I thought, therefore, we'll start with who am I? Who am I? And, you know, there is such a crisis of identity in our world today. In fact, the New York Times last year, uh, in October, November last year, uh, labeled, it, this was their headline, they labeled last year as the year over which America obsessed over its identity because it's so confused as to what or who it is. And actually, that would be the same in the UK, and that's the same in most of the Western world, caused by all sorts of different things. We won't go into the causes. Um, But actually, we're not sure who we are. Most people are not sure who they are, or even who they want to be. It can be very challenging, because the world out there says, be this, be that, be the other, and there's so much going on out there, trying to uh, give us identity, and yet there's so much... We can't do it all, so am I going to be a sports star, am I going to be a celebrity, am I going to be rich, am I going to be famous, am I going to be successful, am I going to be tall, am I going to be thin, am I going to be large, am I going to be small, am I going to drive this car, am I going to live in this road, you know, all of that extra stuff which can so easily become identity. Or even we can talk about our identity in terms of our sexuality, our sexual orientation nowadays. Or we can talk about it in other ways. I I identify myself as... In America at the moment, there's lots of people saying, "I identify myself as a Republican or as a conservative." Uh, uh, you know all those sorts of different things. In, in England, you may say, "I identify myself as somebody pro or against Brexit. I'm not making any comments on that whatsoever, I hasten to add. You just may or may not identify yourself one way or another. And you know the world nowadays seems to say that you can define your identity. You need to go and find yourself. You need to go and find yourself. You need to go and discover your identity. And you know that's the opposite to the Scriptures. And that's why it's so important for us to look at this and understand who we are. And so without uh, uh, doing much more, let's uh, turn to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Do you know we could put here to the saints in Alton, the faithful in Christ Jesus. You know this applies to us what He's bringing here? It applies to us. Let's make sure we understand this is for us. This is word today for us. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you just think about that for a moment? Receive it. Grace and peace. Maybe you need to find grace today, or peace today. Receive it now. Grace and peace to you. From God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from me. We don't manufacture it. But God brings His grace. God brings His peace. It's available today. Can I just say, if Uh, because I'm new here, you may be new here too, or you may have only been coming a few times. Well, let's get together because at least we'll know somebody then. But you may be new here and you may be investigating Christianity at the moment. And you may be thinking, I don't know whether I get this or not. Can I just say to you, there is grace available today to you. If you don't yet know Jesus, his grace, that is his free gift of love, which you don't have to own, is available to you today. And with that comes peace, because you come to peace with Almighty God, who one day will uh, meet you at your death. You will meet him, and you'll have to give an account for your life at that point. You can receive grace and peace today, that when you come to meet him, All of those things we've done wrong in our past and even in the present and even in the future will have been dealt with at the cross of Jesus. And you can be forgiven of all your sin and have an eternal relationship with God starting today. I just want to make that available to you today. If you are not yet a Christian here, if you wouldn't identify yet yet, uh, as a Christian here today, that is available today. God's grace and peace is available for you today today, as it is for all of us. Because it's not just for somebody becoming a Christian, it's something for all of us to live in day by day. If I keep on doing this with this passage, we're never going to get into my preach. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. Sorry, can I just say this? Whatever you read in him or in Christ Jesus, or in Jesus, or any of those phrases in Scripture, you probably know this already, that's available to you. Okay? As a believer, this is talking about us. Okay? In Him, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian here today, this is available for each of us. Just wanted to flag that up. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times would have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for The enormity of what this reveals of your love for us. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus is uh, uh, coming down to earth, his life on earth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, showing that he had defeated sin and death for all time, that all of us may come into your family. Wow, Father, we are just blown away by your love. Help us to understand your word. Help us to grab hold of it today. Help us to put it into practice today that we may live out all that you've made us and called us to be for your glory. Amen. Amen. Whew. It's such a wonderful passage, this. You know, uh, in many ways, I'd really like to preach about half a dozen sermons on what we've read, uh, if not more. But uh, I'm going to just try and do a bit of an overview of this passage this morning. We'll come back to parts of this on probably on other occasions. Um, the context of uh, verse 3 to 14 which is what we're going to focus on though is those first two uh, 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 verses we've got Paul is describing himself sort of saying his writing to the saints and then this, this thing of grace grace and peace available to each one of us that's great but then he goes into this praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ do you realize that's for us? that's for us. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. That's our status. Okay, as a believer, that is how God sees us. That is what God's done for us, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And and we get a little bit of a revelation of something of the greatness of God in in this. It's, It's only a little glimpse, really, But praise be to the God and Father of Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He is a lavish God who loves his children, who loves to bless his children. He's not a stingy, mean God, but he's a God who's generous. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And you know, when we uh, come to think about what, what we're going to look at, who am I? We sometimes need to remind ourselves, first of all, of who God is. And so you'll find this morning as I'm working through this passage, I'll I'll keep taking it back to remind us who God is as well. Because actually, if God defines who we are, we need to understand who He is. Because in understanding who He is, we understand who we are. Yeah? Do you get that? Let's just stop for a moment. Who do you think God is? If you had to find some words to describe God... Who's God to you? Is he that loving, heavenly Father? Is he generous or is he stingy? Is he trustworthy or are you not too sure? Is he faithful? Not too sure on that one either, maybe. Is he generous? Loving, gracious. He extends grace. He extends grace. He, in fact, lavishes grace on his children. We need to remind ourselves who God is sometimes because he's who defines who we are. And so we come as children of a God of abundance, a God of love, not a tyrant, not a taskmaster, not, a, not a, uh, um, uh, anyone who's, who's, who's got bad in mind for us. Not, you know, we don't have to doubt God's motives at all. He's totally trustworthy. Totally trustworthy. Not just a little bit, not even 80%, not even 99.9% trustworthy. He's 100% trustworthy. In a world where we don't have many absolutes, he is absolute, absolutely trustworthy, absolutely faithful, absolutely loving. These are part of his character. It defines who he is. He couldn't that otherwise, if he did, he wouldn't be God. Just allow that to feed, your spirit to feed on that. As we come to understand who we are, we need to understand who he is. Totally trustworthy. He can cope with every situation in all of our lives and the rest of the world all at the same time. That's pretty impressive. We struggle to cope with our own families, let alone anything else. No, God can cope with everything all the time. And he never forgets. He never lets one thing drop outside of his plan and purpose. Wow. Totally, absolutely trustworthy, loving, gracious, faithful. And you could add many, many other words to describe something of the character of God. You know, ultimately, if you want to understand the character of God, read this. It's revealed pretty much on every page. You get part of the character of God. His holiness, his love, his passion for his creation, for his people. great place to find out who God is. Read the Bible. Want to know who God is and therefore who you are? Understand the God of the Old and the New Testament as He reveals Himself. I must move on. So I want us to focus on two particular verses this morning. Verse 4 and 5, I would suggest they are key foundational verses for our lives. Now they say this, for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight in love. Now I'm Uh, depending which version of the Bible you've got, you may find in love is at the end of verse 4 or at the beginning of verse 5. That's because nobody's quite sure where that, that in love belongs in the translation. The reality is I think it works with both parts of the... Because actually, ultimately, the heart of all of this is the love of God for us. And these statements are amazing statements about how he chooses us. He chose us in love to make us blameless and holy in love. But also in love, he's predestined us to be adopted as his sons. And it's his pleasure and will. We'll come on to that in a moment. Wow, his pleasure and will. So these two verses, are just really just read them as one long verse. Yet they're totally intertwined with each other. They're statements. But, you know, if we don't understand verse 5 about how he's drawn us into his family and what he's done, that he's adopted us, we'll never really fully get verse 4. And this is, this is the important thing to understand. They are totally intertwined. See, verse 5 provides the motivation for verse 4. Verse 4, he chooses us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. The motivation for that is in his love. Now, of course, you could put it in the other side and there you've got, there we go. We've, we've, start, we've opened that one up. But through his pleasure and will, he has loved us. And that is how he brought us into his family. And so I want to ask this question. What's it mean to be adopted? Because we've got this word here. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. Do you know it's a word only Paul uses in his letters? You don't find it anywhere else in Scripture. He uses it five times. It only appears five times in the whole of Paul's writings. What's it mean to be adopted? Some of you who know our personal circumstances know that we're fostering at the moment. And uh, in fact, James has a hearing on Tuesday where uh, hopefully uh, he will then be cleared for adoption uh, because uh, that is what's been decided is best for his long-term future is he needs a, a permanent family, a new family to be part of. And uh, do you know, we've, we've been learning so much about how the adoption process works in England. But I'd like to tell you a little bit about What Paul's referring to here, the Roman process of adoption, which actually has shaped some of what we do today in our nation, believe it or not. Roman society has influenced. I want you to imagine now, I'm really imaginative. I want you to imagine a couple. They're a Roman couple. I'm so imaginative, I thought, what shall I call them? Ah, Mr. and Mrs. Roman. They're childless. They're childless. I don't know whether anybody here has gone through not being able to have children. Maybe you have. And the pain of that and the massive desire to have children and yet month after month nothing happens. And you wait and you pray and then maybe at some point you get to that place where you say, maybe that's not God's plan for us. Maybe He wants us to adopt. It's a painful thing. It's a painful thing and you know, Mr. and Mrs. Roman, let's assume they can't have children. And so they think, well, we'll adopt. Because as Romans, they're a privileged people. We need to understand that you know, in the culture of the day where this is written, being a Roman was a massive thing. Being a citizen of Rome, it had massive status attached to it. Wherever you were, if you're a Roman citizen, had massive status attached to it. And they think, well, we want to adopt. And they'd look around and they'd probably would decide to adopt from within their household. In other words, adopt one of the children of their slaves. Not guaranteed, but that's probably mostly what would happen. And they would uh, strike a deal with the parents to adopt their child. And then they would go and see a magistrate in a, a court setting, effectively. And three times the boy would be passed from his birth parents to his adoptive parents. And uh, 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 and so this process was shown three times to show how significant and important it was. And at the end of that third time, the the judge or the magistrate would declare the child adopted. And outside or somewhere in the court precinct, uh, a scroll or what a manuscript or whatever it would be would be put out declaring that henceforth this child has become uh, an adopted child of Mr. and Mrs. Roman. And a number of things would happen at that point. And uh, the first thing is this, he becomes free because he was a slave up until then. And this is why the, uh, the, the, the slaves would willingly perhaps be prepared to give their child up for adoption because... The child comes out of slavery. He was bound to be a slave for the whole of his life. Otherwise, under the Roman system, he was stuck in slavery. But actually, in this process, the child comes free from being a slave. The debt which is associated with him is cancelled. He gets a new family name. He now inherits the surname Roman, or whatever their name was. His ties with his former family are severed. They're no longer mum and dad. They're now his slaves. How bizarre is that? But they're now his slaves. They're now, he's their master. He has mastered them in that sense. All ties with the former family are severed. All privileges of a natural child are put on him all privileges. He becomes a Roman citizen. Even though he probably wasn't a Roman citizen up until that time, he now comes into the Roman system, the Roman Empire. He becomes a Roman citizen with all the benefits that that entailed, and they were absolutely massive. And eventually, he will inherit all of his adopted parents' estate. Assuming his parents are still alive, then he will inherit them as his slaves. And see, adoption was a process of emancipation, of freedom. Adoption resulted in freedom. That's what happened. His life's totally changed as he's adopted. Adoption results in. In freedom. This is sonship now we're talking about. Not slavery, but sonship. He becomes a son of a new family, a new name. And so when Paul is talking about this and using this language in Ephesians, obviously he's looking at what Christ has done. That Christ has paid the price that we can be brought in to God's family. That, are, that we can be made free that our debts are all paid totally. That's why Jesus can say, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Uh, John 8, 36, I think, if I remember correctly. There's freedom from the past. That's freedom from uh, our sin and the sin done to us and Satan's control over our lives. There's freedom from guilt and shame and all the stigma of being a slave because now we're a son, We don't have to carry the stigma of slavery or the sense of slavery around any longer. There's freedom and power to live completely differently. The life of a freed child of a Roman citizen would be totally different, absolutely different to the life of a slave of servitude and indenture and all the things which would happen. You see, adoption into the family of God, that this language Paul is using, which is what happens to us as we become Christians, means a total change in status, total freedom, total and absolute freedom freedom. And do you know what? I think too often we don't get all of that. It's like we hang on to some of our past. That perhaps we drag some of the dirt and the filth of our slavery with us. Perhaps we feel secure with that around us. Perhaps change, total change, total change is painful. Change is painful. Come on, let's face it. We all know that change can be painful. Total change. Do I really want to let go of that? I was praying with uh, another lady, for a lady in our church uh, on Friday who's uh, just starting to get hold of this stuff. And we're seeing God on Friday, just saw her being freed from perfectionism. And, you know, she, she would have previously said, uh, part of her, as part of her identity, I'm a perfectionist. And she'd allowed a good thing to become a, a God with a small g thing become something which controlled her and defined her. Now, you know, there's nothing wrong with excellence, but when we actually make our identity excellence, then something's gone wrong because our identity isn't excellence. Our identity is the grace of God. Our identity is in the sonship of God, in in, in our relationship with God. And, you know, there may be things in our lives which even to this day you may say, well, I got saved years ago, but God may want to put his finger on today. And say, are you really free yet? Do you really fully understand? Are you a foot in both camps? Or maybe it's most of both feet in in the father's camp. And and you're mainly getting the sonship bit. But every so often there's a a bit back to the past. Well, I'm not quite sure about this. I'll step back to the past. This, This is what's defined me. It feels secure. And what Paul's getting at here is, come on, let God define who you are. Who are you today? If I hadn't said anything and just handed out a questionnaire and asked you this question, who are you, what would you have written down? Maybe you've written down, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a success. Maybe you've written down, I'm a failure. Maybe you've written down, I'm a perfectionist. Maybe you've written down all sorts of different things which define you. The reality is, our Father, who is totally trustworthy, is the one who should define us. Our sonship is what defines us. And you see, if, if, we, if, if, we, if we don't understand who we are, then we'll live out whatever we believe ourselves to be. You may have met people like this. It may even be somebody here in this room. This may be describing you. But you believe you're a failure. Because you believe you're a failure, actually it stops you entering into the good of, uh, which God has for you. Now, it's not that we've got to hype ourselves up with some sort of word tricks. Well, I'm a success, I'm a success. No, it's a heart change. It's a heart change. Because actually, do you know, before God, we are all failures. That's the reality. But once we've got saved, we don't have to live under that stigma any longer. Because that's the past. That's the old identity. We now need to embrace the new. And the new is, I'm loved of almighty God. And he says, I'm loved and I'm cherished. And he puts his love on us, and he makes us secure, and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And he assures us (laughs) that we're saved, that we've come into his family. He frees us from guilt and shame. He gives us power to live differently by his Spirit, to enter into this amazing inheritance. And the incredible thing is this verse then goes on to say this. We didn't just persuade him to do it, but it was in accordance with his pleasure And will. I mean, wow, isn't that incredible? That this is the pleasure of God. That actually God chose to do this. You know, sometimes I think we can think we managed to persuade God to let us into his kingdom. We didn't. Believe me, we didn't. Or perhaps sometimes we can think, well, I've got in, but I wonder if i got in under the radar. Because if God really knew what I was like, there's no way he would have let me in. No, 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 understand this. This is God's pleasure and will that we get to be called children of Almighty God, that he welcomes us into his family. He says, you're mine, and I love you, and I cherish you. And that's liberating. That brings real freedom, understanding that, that he predestined us to it. This is about the grace of God. You see, ultimately, all of this that we're talking about is about the grace of God. The grace of God needs to define us not our performance, not who we know, what, not, not what we know, not what we do or anything else, but a free gift from Almighty God which cannot be earned, which is that He chooses to love us and bring us into His family through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't this good? I don't know about you. I, 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 you may notice I tend to get a bit excited about this sort of stuff. I guess my past was so very different to my present. And I only have to glimpse back and think, my goodness, I'm so grateful for the grace of God that drew me out of a whole load of yick and And my insecurities and my shame and my pain and my whole load of other stuff. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. It's so exciting. You see, we don't just scrape in with sought. We're brought at a price. And then, later on in this passage, we read this. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You see, we don't just get saved and then God abandons us, but he places his Holy Spirit on us to assure us of our salvation. We're going to come on to that next time. Okay? So if that's a bit of a teaser, apologies for that, but we aren't going to have time to look at that today and do it justice. We're going to come back to that and look at that part of that verse next time. But, you know, the Holy Spirit comes and he assures us that we're saved. He helps us identify as sons. And that's, a, that's why it was part of the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being immersed in the Holy Spirit is so important because he brings an awareness of sonship. If we get hold of this, it should radically change our lives. Now, as soon as I use the word should, some of you go, oh, Knew is a catch. Now I've got to do stuff. We do it out of the grace of God, okay? It's not that I've now got to somehow generate this and stir myself up and work hard to do it. No, it comes out of the grace of God. It comes because I'm loved. It's not it doesn't happen because I want to earn love. The grace of God says, Hey, you're loved, be free. Be free to do whatever. And as Paul argues elsewhere, you know, actually that means we could actually go and sin more because we understand the grace of God. That's the weird thing of the grace of God. Well, let's not do that. Let's instead respond to the grace of God and live it out and enjoy it. Yeah, so we get a new perspective on ourselves. We get a new perspective on our status, our vision, our purpose, and we'll talk about what purpose is In due course, we get to gaze on the Father of ours and really understand who He is and understand His grace and His mercy and His love. Understand that He's good and He's all-powerful because we're starting to interact with Him. And, you know, that's why reading the Word and prayer and worship and all those things are so important because actually we meet God. As we meet God, we understand more and more of Him. And in so doing, we understand more and more of who He's made us to be and who He's called us to be. And we can rejoice in that. We don't have to then work hard at it. We live out what he's done in us. The more we are freed from our past, the more we can enjoy the present and the future. And so I just want to very quickly summarize four things which will happen as we understand who we are. First of all, it's this. It will change what we think. Romans 12 talks about having a renewed mind. And as we worship and surrender ourselves to him, understanding we're to be free, uh, God wants us to think differently. He does, that's part of what he does. As we give ourselves, in those first few verses of of Romans 12, actually the context of having a renewed mind is the place of worship and adoration of God. Secondly, it will change our motivation. It will change why we do what we do. It will change us. It will change us internally. It's not about earning things any longer. It's not about success or anything like that, trying to impress others. We don't need to do that. We live for the audience of one. We live for our Father's pleasure and delight. And we get that because of Jesus and because God chooses to lavish his love and grace and mercy on us, not because of what we do at all. It changes our ambition. Do you know our ambitions can be so much about ourselves? About what I can do, the great I am, that is me, instead of the great I am, Father God in heaven. What's your ambition? We can find contentment. We can find contentment in our circumstances. Whatever our circumstances, we can trust God in them. And godliness with contentment, as 1 Timothy tells us, is great gain. We can find contentment. It doesn't mean that we don't have ambitions, but our ambitions become godly ones. They become ambitions for the kingdom, for the advances of the kingdom, for the greatness of God's name, for all those things which he desires us to do, out of who we are. Not that we're human doings, we're not. We're human beings. And then finally, we change our focus so that we can love uninhibitedly. We can love without looking for reward. We can love without looking uh, for any sort of uh, love back. We can love in that way which God the Father loves us. We change our focus. Our focus is no longer on me. It's on the glory of God. It's on what he's about. It's about his kingdom, his kingdom coming. And as we love in that way, guess what? We become a community of people which are radically different. As we love one another, as we are united together through the love of Jesus, as we put one another first, we become a mighty army for the glory of God. And do you know what? It's just through being. We start with our being, start with our status. Everything else flows on from that. Yes, yeah, sure. And you know, faith without works is dead. So we, you know, there will be works, but it comes out of faith. It comes out of the grace of God. So in conclusion, understanding who God is and who we are in Christ, our real God-given identity can be and will be life-changing. And you know, Satan hates us getting hold of this stuff. He wants to take it away. He wants to rob us of it straight away because he knows that as, uh, as we pursue this, as we follow this lead and understand who we are, that actually he has much less room in our lives and he has much less influence in our lives and that what he's about gets pushed back and the glory of God is more and more revealed on earth. Wow. Friends, I want to make an invitation today. I want to ask you to ask this question of yourself. Who do you believe you are? Or who do you think you are? Maybe today God's just put his finger on something. You know you're saved. Yes, absolutely. You know as I'm talking about this sort of stuff. Yes, you know you're a child of God, but actually within that you also know. Actually, that area has yet to be sanctified. It has yet to be made holy. It has yet to be let go of. That still defines me. That hurt which somebody did to me still defines me. It still shapes how I think. That ambition still controls how I see everything. That failure clouds things. I felt God let me down. It clouds how I trust God. Friends, it's time to let go of this stuff. To stop believing the devil's lies. To embrace... The truth, and the freedom of God's truth that it brings, uh, that God's truth brings, and start to live in the fullness of who we are, welcomed, delighted in, children of the living God. What defines you? What defines you? Who do you think you are? I'd like to invite you to just close your eyes a moment. Come, Spirit of God, we ask. Make us aware if there's anything which needs a perspective change, which needs letting go of. Sinful behavior, practice, beliefs, denial of really who we are in Christ, things which are stopping us, which we're holding on to, which we need to let go of. Would you just come and reveal this, please, Lord? Help us hear from you. If you know you need to deal with something today, I'd like to invite you to stand at this point now. Well done. Well done. There'll be others. The first few is always the brave few. Win through on things. Push through, push through. Do you know, of course, one of the biggest challenges is if you're not quite sure of who you are, trying to stand in an auditorium like this, (laughs) Satan will go, don't you dare do that, everybody will look at you. No, they won't. It's a safe place. This is the community of God, it's a safe place. I want to make that invitation again. If the stuff you know you need to let go of or deal with, about understanding who you are in Christ, I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for those who stand in a moment. Now, once you've started standing, can I encourage you? You may just need to repent of some stuff. Stuff which has defined who you are, where you've believed Satan's lies and not embraced the truth of who you are in Christ. You may just need to let go of some stuff, repent of some stuff. And so, uh, as I'm going to make one final appeal in just a moment, you can start doing this already. Is there anybody else who wants to join this dozen or so people who are standing at this point in time? Please feel free. This is between you and God, but actually it's so helpful to stand because it signifies something. Signifies something. Do you know, I just feel the oh, Spirit of God's just stirring something in me. There's a couple here, and your marriage has been defined by past hurts and grievances between each other. Now, you may not want to stand because you may feel you don't want to be identified in this way but that's what shapes and defines your marriage today and god would say isn't it time to let go in fact he says it is time to let go and he's inviting you to let go let go of that stuff and come back to who you really are in jesus come back to letting him define and shape your marriage determine your future together that it's a marriage built in three parts, you as a couple and God, completely woven together as a rope. So we're going to respond. So if if you're standing, or maybe you aren't able to stand for whatever reason, but you want to join in, you're welcome to. Father, I, I want to turn away from believing Satan's lies. Particularly the lies about who I am. And I choose now to reject. And then you may want to fill in the gap, whatever that is. Maybe it's the lie that I have to do to be loved. Maybe it's the lie about I've got to be perfect. Maybe it's all sorts of other things. Just put that in there. You tell him. And Father, I want to say I'm so sorry And I want to repent of believing these things. Forgive me, Lord. Renew me. Come, Spirit of the Sovereign God, fall afresh on me. Help me to know all that I am in Christ. That in Christ is sufficient. I don't need to add anything else. Everything's in you. Everything's found in you. And restore me to live that out. Empower me to live that out. Help me to live this out for now and the future. In Jesus' most precious and holy and wonderful name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Now, I want to say well done in responding. Thank you for responding. Uh, If you would like individual prayer, we're going to bring our meeting to a conclusion at this point. I believe we have a prayer team available. So if you'd like individual prayer, feel free to come forward. If not, you may just want to talk to your life group leader about what you've dealt with today. Because, you know, having somebody who you can uh, have stand with you to help work through this stuff, you've started a process today. You've started to knock something on the head. But, you know, living it out can often be a challenge in those early days. I want to encourage you, talk to your life group leader uh, and ask them for help and ongoing prayer. But you know, if you're here today and you want prayer for anything else as well, we're just going to make our prayer time available for anyone if you'd like prayer. Uh, why don't, as we finish the meeting now, refreshments will be served, I believe, out there, if I've got that right. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, refreshments will be at, served out through those doors. Obviously, please remember to go and get your children if you need to go and get your children. Uh, and, and don't forget to thank these guys who serve your children so incredibly well week after week. Uh, but if you'd like prayer, just make your way to the front as we finish the meeting. A Prayer team will be available. Bless you. It's been great to be together. Thank you for your time. And if you're a guest here, just say, hey, we love guests it's uh, great having guests amongst us, and um, we look forward to getting to know you. I look forward to getting to know you because I'm a guest here, and sort of. So uh, uh, we look forward to that. Uh, bless you. Take care. Thank you.